and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a little, I will make thee ruler over much. God's response to faithfulness is that he is going to bless us and multiply back to us more than we have ever given to him. He says that if you are disobedient and unfaithful, that he must allow us to be judged for that. But if we're faithful, he will give more to them who are faithful and take from those who are unfaithful. The old principle of use it or lose it. If you and I don't use the talents and abilities and possessions that God gives us for his glory, he will see to it that they're taken away from us. It's a a law, a spiritual law that cannot be broken. If you want to see good examples of that, the 12 spies that went into the promised land, 10 of them came out with an evil report and two of them came out with a good report. They all had the same opportunity to see the same thing. 10 came back with grasshopper spirits feeling like they were grasshoppers next to the giants, and two came back feeling like they were giants over grasshoppers. They said it doesn't make any difference how big they are, the bigger they come, the harder they fall, because if God be for us, who can be against us? Let's go get them, fellas. And they almost got stoned by the crowd. But let me tell you something. Forty years later, the truth of faithfulness was manifested. The rest of that whole generation, because of their unbelief and disobedience, were destroyed in the wilderness, and God endured, caused them to endure and to receive the reward of their faithfulness. Caleb went in and was given a portion of the land as his inheritance because he had a different spirit within him. When you read that story, that's the thing that thrills me. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit in them. It was a spirit of faith. It was a spirit of commitment. It was a spirit of faithfulness. God honored it. They not only were faithful when they were almost stoned, but because of their faithfulness, God says, I'm going to give you much more back. And he gave Caleb a whole mountain to to conquer for himself. And at the age of 80, he said, come on, you young whippersnappers, let's go. I'm ready to go up the mountain and we'll take them all. It said he had the same strength at the age of 80 as he had when he was 40. Back there in the wilderness. Now, let me tell you something. God will bless those that are faithful to him and his word. Joshua became the leader to take that nation into the promised land and to conquer the promised land. God will be our, the re- rewarder of our faithfulness and works. That's what he's, that's what he's promised. Now, <clears throat> look at Mark, the 10th chapter with me. Now, I want you to understand something. I didn't write this. So because I didn't write it, therefore, I can declare that God said it, and if God said it, it cannot be changed. Mark, the 10th chapter... Verses 28 through 30. Jesus was just talking about not trusting in uncertain riches. He said it was easier for a rich man to go into the... I mean, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he said, with God, all things are possible. And then Peter, you know, again, Peter always spoke up before he stopped and thought it through. But verse 28, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Lord, we are real martyrs. Look what we've done for you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive, what? An hundredfold in eternity. Oh, an hundredfold now in this time. 
houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Don't you wish we could leave those next two words out? Huh? With persecutions, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. I believe that the reason they put that in there is because a lot of people that we think today are going to be first in line will be last in line because in many cases they already have their reward or their motivations are improper in God's sight. It isn't just faithfulness, but it's the motivation for our faithfulness. If our motivation is strictly based upon the fact, I'll give to God and He'll give back to me, your motivation is wrong. It must be a love motive. That's true in every relationship that you and I can experience. If the husband says, well, I'll be nice to my wife because then I know she'll be nice to me, your motivation is wrong and before long it'll expose itself. Or I'll treat my husband really nice and then he'll get me what I want him to get me. That's wrong motivation. And let me tell you something, if it doesn't work with your husband or your wife or your parents, young people, it's not going to work with God either. God looks upon the motivation of our heart, the purpose of our heart for doing these things. But he said, if we will give selfishly, of anything in this life, we'll receive a hundredfold in return in this life. Now, it was interesting. Somebody said, you know, Job had to go through all that experience of persecution, I mean, of tremendous problems and troubles where his uh, family was all taken away from him. He said that he got everything double back except for his children. He didn't get twice as many children back. I said, he had twice as many children? No. Just half of them were already in heaven and the other half were still on earth. He had twice as many children. And when he gets to heaven, he'll have twice as many children. God's promises. You can't lose your children if they're saved. And, and Job prayed for them every day and asked God to sanctify them and forgive their sins every day. He, uh, he continuously held them up before the Lord, lest they may have even accidentally committed sin against the Lord that they didn't understand. And consequently, Job had twice as many children. So the Lord says the reward of his faithfulness here on earth will be material as well as spiritual if the motivation is right. You say, well, Brother Webb, I want you to know I've tried to be faithful to God and he hasn't, he hasn't met this and he hasn't met that and he hasn't met the other thing yet. Well, there's just one thing that you and I have to understand. Our ways are not God's ways and God's ways are not our ways. His ways are so far above ours that he doesn't work them out just exactly the way you and I try to work things out. But let me assure you, you stand upon the Word and say, I don't care what the circumstances say, I know that God is faithful. And if he says he'll reward me, I don't care when it comes, where it comes from, or how it comes, I'm just going to keep being faithful because I know it has to come. God cannot lie. Now, I'm not going to set a timetable on the Lord, and that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Lord, I want you to provide this now. And God says, you're not ready for it yet. Well, Lord, I think I am. Well, that's where your ways are not my ways and my ways are not your ways. When you're ready for it, you will have it. In the meantime, you just praise me and you walk in obedience to me and I'll bless you. But make that motivation out of a, lo a, a, a love motivation, not out of a desire for gain. And that's the problem. A lot of times we, we put the cart before the horse. Whatever we give up in this life, Jesus says he'll give back to us in this life and in the life to come. Uh, that's why nothing that you have in this life you can keep. I've talked about millionaires who have passed away, and it's just amazing and almost amusing this last week when I was at the health club, I mentioned about uh, rich people passing away. I said, do you know such and such uh, a person was a multimillionaire and he passed away? And do you know how much money he left behind? And it's just interesting to watch the response. Uh, the response. How much? They really want to know. I said, every bit of it. Every bit of it. Not one penny did they take with them. 
And that's why you don't see U-Haul trailers behind hearses. They don't take anything with them. It's all left behind. And anything we send into eternity, we have to send it ahead. And God says, if you're faithful here, I'll reward you in heaven and I'll also reward you on earth. So there's no rental of U-Haul trailers for, for funerals. If it isn't already sent ahead and you haven't already been faithful, it's too late. So let me ask you this morning, what kind of fountain are we? I told you about the three kinds, the old pump that had to prime it all the time to get the water to begin to flow, to be faithful. I can remember that in the wintertime, having a terrible time in Nebraska, get that old pump to go. And I, I've seen a lot of people who profess to be Christians, and every time you come around, you've got to pump them up and pump them up and pump them up to get them flowing. And then they'll flow for a while, and as soon as they, they quit, you've got to prime them all over again. Then I talked about the, the old geysers out there in, in uh, Montana or wherever it is, uh, Yellowstone National Park, uh, Wyoming. Uh, they, they burst out, but they'll just do it spasmodically. And I've seen some people, you get them in a revival meeting, get everything excited, and all of a sudden, boy, they're just bubbling all over. And let them go home for a few days, and they just, you know, just die out. And then there's the artesian well of faithfulness. See, I don't have to tell you what kind of well you are or what kind of well I am. You and I know basically what we are. When people look at us, can they say, now there is someone, if I see them 24 hours from now or 48 hours from now or a week or a month from now, you can mark it down, they're right, they're just the same all the time. Steady, steady, consistent, faithful, faithful, faithful. That's what the Word of God talks about. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. Now, a steward is one who has had someone else's property or interests committed to them. And God has committed to you and me the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to be faithful with it in our own relationship and life before him and in our responsibility of sharing the gospel with others around about us. Now, I know that that can become a very discouraging thing at times. You say, well, nobody seems to want to listen. You don't quit. You continue on and on and on. If you've ever been in sales, someone said years ago that the fuller brush people teach their salesman to expect 50 doors to be slammed in your face before you make one sale. 50 doors before you make one sale. So when they get 48 doors slammed in their faces and they're rubbing their noses, they go away saying, glory to God, only two more doors and I'll make a sale. Is that your nature? I've seen some people come up and be rebuffed because of their testimony and they tuck their tail in and they fold their wings and they say nobody wants to hear about it and they just quit. But God didn't say that we're supposed to get responses all the time. He says just tell them, tell them, tell them. Be witnesses, be witnesses. You'll be a light. You'll give them a little bit of light. Somebody else come along, give them a little bit of light. Somebody else come along, give them for long. You'll say, boy, you know, God must be trying to say something to me. I've had five people this week come and tell me that I need the Lord in my heart. And your one witness may not be the end result, but after they've heard it from enough people and God's brought them into to the presence of enough Christians, before long the Spirit of God will begin to minister to their spirits. And you may not ever see that person become a Christian, but if you gave them that word faithfully, down the line God will bring forth the fruit. Others will water what you, the seed that you've planted, and that will come forth. And God knows that you planted that seed. God knows if you watered that seed. God knows if you prayed or encouraged that person, and down the line in the eternity you'll stand there in amazement saying, well, I, uh, where'd you? Oh, uh, glory to God, I'm so glad I was faithful just to plant that one little seed. Faithfulness. With this illustration, I want to close this series on 
faithfulness, it really struck me. It was concerning a Sunday school superintendent back in the 1800s, right at, right at about 1800, who had a Sunday school teacher come to him and say, you know, we have this young boy, Bob, that's been in Sunday school, and uh, he hasn't come anymore. And when I call, uh, went over to his house and asked him to come, he said he couldn't come because he didn't have any clothes, nice clothes. Sunday school superintendent says, give me his address, I'll take care of it. He went over to the boy's house, and he said, Bobby, come on with me. I'm going to take you down, and we'll get you some nice clothes. So he took him down and got him a, a suit and a shirt and a tie and some shoes. And he said, now you get back in Sunday school, and, and you just keep coming. The little boy came from a very rough neighborhood, and so he came for the next two Sundays. And then the third Sunday, he wasn't there again, and the Sunday school superintendent said, did I miss Bob this morning? He said, yes, Bobby. Uh, I went over to see him again, and he was out playing in his good suit, and he tore it all up, and he said he can't come to church again. He says, well, he says, uh, let me go see him again. So he went over again and said, Bobby, I don't know what happened to your other suit, but he said, you need to be in Sunday school. He said, come on. And he took him down. The Sunday school superintendent took him down, bought him another suit, another shirt, another tie, and some more shoes. He said, now you get into Sunday school, and you'll be faithful. Bobby came this time for about four Sundays. And the same thing happened all over again. Sunday school teacher was walking down the hall, and the Sunday superintendent says, where's Bobby? He said, well, I called on him again this week because he's been missing for about two or three weeks, and he said that he tore up his suit again. Now, how many of us would just say, well, that kid, I've done everything I can do for that kid. Forget it. This Sunday school superintendent says, I'll take care of it. He went out and he sat down with Bobby. He said, Bobby, he said, you know, when somebody tries to help you, you need to try to help yourself. I love you and I want to see you go on with the Lord. And the devil's using this, this very thing to keep you from hearing God's word so that you can know what God has for you in the days ahead. He said, now I want you to go with me. And he went downtown again and he bought him a third suit and a new pair of shoes and a shirt and tie. He said, now, but Bobby, I'm going to do it with this understanding that you promised me. Every day when you get home from church, you'll take it off and hang it up in your closet and won't wear it again until you come back to church. He said, okay, I promise. That young man came back to Sunday school after three times. He studied the Word of God during the week. One day came when he invited Jesus Christ into his heart as his Lord and Savior. He joined the church. He kept studying the Word and before long became a teacher in that church. Then he went away to study for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ and soon became Dr. Robert Morrison, the missionary who went to China in the 1800s. Dr. Robert Morrison, when he went to China, had a very difficult time trying to witness to the Chinese because there was a death sentence declared on any Chinese person who taught an outsider their language. He went there trying to learn the language and after years of prayer found one Chinese man who agreed to teach him the Chinese language. That man carried a vial of deadly poison on him, his person at all times because if the authorities ever caught him teaching Dr. Robert Morrison the Chinese language, he knew they would torture him to death to warn anyone else that no outsider could learn their language. Dr. Robert Morrison not only learned the Chinese language, but he translated the whole Chinese Bible. During his 20-some years in China, he only had 10 converts. But for the first time in the history, 
he translated the whole Bible into the Chinese language. And that was the Bible that was used clear up to the time that the communists drove out all the Christians and the, the uh, missionaries and confiscated all the Bibles. And I thought to myself, what would have happened had that Sunday school superintendent not had a love for the lost, had not been faithful and willing to go the second and the third mile to minister to a young man by the name of Bobby. Or a young or Sunday school teacher years ago up in South Carolina who thought that he was wasting his time because he only had one boy in his Sunday school class. Why even prepare for one kid in my Sunday school class? I've got better things to do. I'll just read the quarterly to him. He didn't feel that way about it. He prayed and prayed and prayed for that one boy as he studied for his Sunday school lesson. I'm glad he did because that one boy happened to be Dr. Billy Graham. We never know who God's placing before us. He doesn't say, look for the great. He just says, be faithful wherever you are. And wherever I place you, you give everything you've got to it. And whatever you give, I'll give back to you a hundredfold. Can you imagine today the feeling that must be in the heart of that Sunday school teacher that taught Dr. Billy Graham? Or must have been in the heart of the one who taught and was faithful and consistent and patient with Dr. Robert Morrison? I thank God that when the Lord asks us to be faithful to Him, He's saying, I say that for the kingdom of God's sake. I say that for your sake. And if you'll do it, I promise that I will bless you. My desire above everything else in that day when I stand before the Lord is not that he will say, Joe, you had a nice big church, or Joe, you were very popular or financially successful. But I do want to be able to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over just a few things. I will make you faithful over much. I'll make you ruler over much. Now, God just wants us to bloom where we're planted. Wherever He places you and whatever abilities and gifts He gives to you, that's all He requires of you to be faithful with. Ask Him, Lord, these abilities you've given me, let me know how I can reach out and just touch one other person. It might be just finding a somebody that's sick in the church that I can minister to. It might be a young person getting ready to go to Bible college that I can minister to. It, it just might be a young person who's discouraged right now and needs to be lifted up or encouraged. Maybe somebody over here is having financial difficulty. And Lord, if that's a blessing that you've given to me, let me just quietly minister to that person. Whatever that gift or talent might be, Lord, let me minister to it in the body that I can encourage them. And then let me minister to those who are lost. Even though they don't want it, even though they reject it, even though they act like they're upset with it, let me just share the love of Christ with them. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And he says, if you'll do that, in that day, don't look for what men have to say about you. The first will be last and the last will be first. And if no one's ever heard about you, if God knows your record, you'll come to the front. I believe in the kingdom of God is true too. The cream never has to kick to get to the top. It'll automatically rise. And God knows the cream of the crop in the kingdom of God. They're those whose names will be called faithful. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to put a hunger in each one of our hearts to sense the importance of this message. Nothing can be accomplished that's worthwhile for time and eternity 
outside of faithfulness. I thank you for the abilities and the talents that you've given to this body of people. Lord, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. That many times we become observers and not participants and fail to recognize that when we become or come and identify ourselves as a part of a body, every part of a body functions. Every part of a body supports, upholds, is consistent and faithful in doing its part. And I know, Lord, that everything you ask us to do, you ask us to do it with the understanding that you will bless us when we're obedient for it. And I ask this morning that you'll just minister to our hearts, that you'll take away the vacillation, the lukewarmness, that you'll cause us to search our hearts and say, Lord, show me those areas of faithfulness that you would have me to be in. Maybe no one else will even notice it, but I want to make a new commitment today that I am going to put my relationship with you and the body of Christ above everything else. I'm going to be concerned and pray that you'll burden my heart for the lost. And consequently, you'll use me to win others to Jesus Christ. Father, I'm asking that you would just make us to sense what you think about faithfulness. How I thank you that Jesus Christ was faithful. And because of it today, we have life eternal. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is faithful in that he reveals the Lord Jesus to us. And now I ask it, blessed Holy Spirit, that you will minister this truth to our hearts. You know those areas of weakness and unfaithfulness. Help us now to make a commitment anew and afresh to you that, Lord, you see that weakness and you see that faithlessness. And we renounce that in the name of Jesus and we don't want that in our lives. We ask that you will come and take control of those areas of our lives, that none of us will be double-minded, that none of us will be lethargic in our Christian walk. We just come against lethargy and double-mindedness in the name of Jesus. And we would ask, Father, that you would cause us to begin to understand that if we're going to have a relationship with you, then our nature will be faithful. This is the conclusion of the messages titled Faithfulness.